Welcome to the Always On Podcast. I am your host, Duncan McPherson. On this podcast, our objective is to always enable our audience. These are high-performing fee-for-service professionals to always be working on their business and on themselves personally and professionally. And on today's podcast, I had a really solid conversation with Julia Norman. Julia is a lawyer with Pusher Mitchell, and she focuses and specializes on estate planning. And what I love about this conversation is we get into the dynastic drivers and how all of that can add depth and breadth to your client experience. Julia is a true authority because she focuses on both sides of the equation and gets into estate planning in and of itself, but also the administration and the litigation. So some really good uh, stories here, but also some action items to consider. If you like this podcast, please like and share and tell your colleagues. And if you have any ideas or topics you'd like to hear in the future, just let us know. Thanks for listening. Okay, so here we are at Always On. This is a great theme. Uh, I want to talk about dynastic drivers. And by that, I mean how estate planning can add depth and breadth to your client experience. Especially now, when you think of the demographic forces and money in motion, and of course, this uh, surreal disruption that we've all been working through this last couple of years, it is in my view anyway, made estate planning uh, that much more important. And uh, I just want to start off and remind everybody, just remember, you manage three things. You don't just manage money. You manage a business that creates a very consistent client experience. And you manage people. And you manage how they interpret and perceive and describe your value and how they look to the future. Uh, with anticipation instead of apprehension. And uh, to that end, I am very, very excited to be joined by uh, just a a fantastic authority, in my view, uh, Julian Norman, who is an estate planning lawyer here in Kelowna, British Columbia, uh, but just has an incredible perspective on uh, the role of an estate planning lawyer or attorney, especially as they engage with financial professionals to address some significant and often unmet needs that clients have. So Julia, thank you very much for being here. Thanks for having me, Duncan. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, my pleasure. And and, uh, our relationship started off quite innocently. I myself was made aware that I had a pretty substantial gap and unmet need that I had to address. So I was introduced to you and immediately, and I've worked with so many different professionals and so many different different sectors that do intersect with financial services, but I, I realized immediately that you weren't looking at this as a transaction. You were looking at, you, you were very interested, you were very diagnostic, you exceeded my expectations. Uh, and, and a lot of that was not just because of your technical ability, but because of that proverbial X factor. And then what tipped it over is we started talking, I don't know how it even came up, about uh, Britney Spears and that conservator, how, am I saying it properly? Conservatorship, yeah. Yes. 
which is a U.S. term in, in, B, in uh, not in B.C., but in Canada, we call it comiteeship, but, but it's the same thing, conservatorship in the U.S. Okay, great. Thanks for clarifying. And yeah, you just had such an amazing perspective on that. And I thought, okay, that's it. You would be absolute gold for a podcast conversation about how to um, not refer a client out. And that, that's a big distinction. I tell our financial professionals, when it comes to the keystone around estate planning, continuity, secession, family investment legacy, don't tell a client that you'll refer them out to an estate planning attorney, engage the estate planning lawyer into your process. And um, what's what's profound is, as we've gotten to know each other, you, you, your credentials, your the fact that you have a complete panoramic view on both sides of the equation, uh, you are definitely a subject matter expert. So I'd like to put you on the spot if you don't mind. Absolutely, please. So... <clears throat> There are a lot of estate planning lawyers in Canada, in the United States and beyond. Definitely. What is it you feel makes you different? Yeah. So I, I think there's three things that I really focus on in my practice. The first being knowledge, the second expertise, and the third process. So in terms of knowledge, I really focus on making sure the law is always evolving. So I need to make sure that I I am understanding and, and I'm aware of all of the most recent case law and the developments in the legislation and the case law. I also am working on my trust in the state practitioner designation. I'm just finishing that up. So again, that's really substantive knowledge. That's understanding the black letter law. And then in terms of expertise, as you mentioned, I, I'm really lucky and I feel really fortunate that I get to do both sides of both sides of a state of a state work. So I do estate and trust planning. But I also do a state litigation and a state litigation for I'm sure most most know what litigation is, but that's where where files don't go well. Um, and ultimately, there is fighting or there is some sort of dispute. And, and often we do end up in court. So I feel strongly that the litigation informs the planning and vice versa. I can mitigate risks with my clients because I'm I'm acutely aware of those risks because I have a lot of files where there is a dispute. And then in terms of process, I really have over the years formulated a sort of a, a process that I use with all of my clients. And, and we really like to take a team approach. So my best files are those where we're working with a financial advisor, an accountant. Often this is driven by a financial advisor or an accountant or an insurance professional. Uh, and we need to really take that, that team approach because an estate plan shouldn't be done in a vacuum. And if it is, it probably isn't the most effective plan. Well, that is terrific. And and again, since we've gotten to know each other between our first interaction and you took care of something for us, and then we've, we've had uh, interactions between then and now, uh, I've come to the realization that just philosophically, I know you take the designations and the credentials very, very seriously, but you are, you're also taking into consideration the, the emotional components. And we talked about the art and science of your job. And what I want financial professionals to really be even more aware of is what happens behind the scenes. Definitely. Uh, because you and I talked about, uh, I've been telling financial professionals, don't think of your inner circle of other service providers as circles of influence, where it's this, this referral machine that can move the needle. Think of it more as a client 
centered deliverable. And we think in terms of a value added support team, definitely, which I know you've embraced. Absolutely. And I think we, we need to know what we're good at and we need to, we need to work within, within, within that and work with other professionals and bring in, bring in that circle. And absolutely the best results are when we have the expertise of, of all of those various professionals. Uh, the, the other thing that I, I think is huge is the art and science. I, the other way you can look at it is, is soft facts and hard facts. So a, a hard fact might be, I might ask a client, how much money do you have? What are your, what are your assets? Do you have registered investments? If so, where? Uh, so, so those are things, of course, that I need to know. But what about the, the soft facts? What about does your family get along? That's a, that's a question that I always ask. Um, what, what's the importance of charitable giving to you? Is there a child that needs more help? So, so there's so much more to it than just the, the, the sort of basic questions that you could fill out on a questionnaire of who do I want my estate to go to? Uh, and I think looking at that, that all of that is, is hugely important to, to provide an effective estate plan. Well, and I can say from personal experience, um, it's one thing to know that you're in the presence of someone who has the technical ability. And we call that, you know, a strong command of the message. Definitely. But of course, because of the emotional components, you have to feel good about the messenger. Yeah. So I'm going to assume that because you're process driven, uh, you don't wing it. You've got your checklist. You've got uh, an approach that ensures that nothing falls through the cracks. Uh, does that help both a financial professional and his or her clients identify the blind spots Definitely. And, and tip them past any area of procrastination where they feel compelled to take action? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it is hugely important. And it's a balance because I, I always do start with that checklist. And it does seem, it doesn't always seem natural for clients and it seems sort of systematic and, oh, I have to fill out this checklist, but, but I only make sure that's a starting point. And I don't ask clients ever to get into what, what I feel should be my job, which is the client conversation and the, and the more complicated question, who should be your executor? What's the role of an executor? I don't put that on my checklist, but if I don't ask, you know, if I miss, are you a Canadian resident? Um, do you have a child with a disability? If I miss something like that, which, which it's impossible to go over all of those hard facts, so to speak, in a, in a one-hour meeting, or, or sometimes there's several hours, or we'll have several meetings. But if I miss something like that, we, we can sort of inadvertently uh, gloss over something hugely important and, and maybe miss doing a trust or something in an estate plan. So although I do have those, those written checklists and the more formulaic part of the plan, I always make sure too, that it's, I, I develop that relationship with my clients. And I, I think that's, that's, what's really important to me is that we, we also develop that connection. Okay. That's great. And, and I'm going to assume that uh, in terms of the motivation for the client, um, part of your balance is not just in the technical, but you know, you talk about charitable giving and you talk about some of the sort of bigger picture elements. Uh, I'm going to assume that you're a goals-based professional, that you get very clear on what their aspirations are around legacy and family dynamics, and then create the alignment between those aspirations and the things that need to get done. Definitely. 
Yeah. And that, that's what it's all about. And sometimes it gets complicated and messy because especially in, in second marriages, uh, mixed mm. blended families, those are all things that there's, there's an added level of complexity. Uh, and, and in those cases, sometimes people think that their wishes or their intentions will be carried out. Um, they think, Oh, if I, if I don't have a will, it'll go to my spouse. Well, it won't actually. And uh, for those who are listening in, in British Columbia, um, are, you know, in fact, it actually won't go to your spouse, it'll go 50% to your spouse and 50% to your kids. Um, in other provinces, they have sort of very similar regimes, um, not identical, but but similar. Uh, but but yeah, intentions will not always be satisfied. Another thing that that I really often bump into is tax issues. So people don't consider that there may be a huge tax liability on death depending on what their investments are, if there's going to be a huge capital gain. And that can also defeat a huge part of the plan because they may intend to give one asset to somebody and not realize that has a a significant tax liability with it and give another asset to somebody else where there's no tax liability. Uh, So that's, again, why it's so important for me to be working with, although I know something about tax, uh, I don't purport to be an expert, and I absolutely want to be working with an accountant on that file. Um, I also work with financial advisors all the time uh, to be very clear on what the client's assets are, what we can do, how we can shift things around. I, I think that the, the team approach in that sense is is vital. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do want to come back to the tax efficiency component uh, as it relates to fee worthiness and making sure the client focuses on what this is worth, not what it costs. But we'll hold that thought for a second because I wanted to build on something because right now we're talking to a lot of financial professionals about driving their enterprise value and understanding what leads to enterprise value to actually make themselves more relevant to clients that have businesses around enterprise value. And and some of the things that get put off because we find that whether it's a financial professional and even some entrepreneurs, they're so fixated on the day-to-day working in the business, growing, attracting clients and all of that, that they neglect some things in terms of the back office. And that's where the skeletons and the hair on the deal can develop because they put that off. And then gradually and then suddenly that all manifests. Is there a a similarity as it relates to estate planning and procrastination? Absolutely. Yeah. We see it all of the time. And it's because unfortunately I end up seeing it on the litigation side very often too, because I see where, where people haven't, they don't have their affairs in order. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes there's a tragic accident. Sometimes it's expected and, or, or disability as well. Mm. Um, And then we are stuck. So I'll maybe just just give you a few examples. I mean, I have a client right now. Um, I'm doing his estate. He died very young. Uh, he bought one of those will kits online. That's another thing we can come back to. We really don't like will kits. Uh, but he bought a will kit online. I, uh, he, he was sick, but he was young, um, fairly well-off individual. And uh, he, he filled it all out. It was fine for the most part. He had it witnessed in accordance with the legislation, and he never signed it. So now we're trying to go through probate and he has this witness will, but it's unsigned. Um, And it's just, it's sad because he left his whole family, uh, his business. And, and, and now we're sort of trying to go through what were his intentions? Is this a valid will? Is it not? And, and it's end up, 
costing the the family time and money and and it's it's quite tragic so you know there's there's lots of those uh types of stories maybe i'll I'll tell you one more really quick one which is is different but but also interesting uh we had another file where it was a wills variation claim so second so the client uh wasn't our client actually but individual um had was divorced second marriage i think he was married for about 20 years to his new wife but he just never he procrastinated and never bothered to update his will he passed away and in his will everything went to charity so he's been married for 20 years and his wife got nothing so that's where our legislation is really important um and it comes in and and spouses in B, in bc uh, and spouses and children, and this is this is sort of um, there, there's dependent relief reg- legislation all around Canada, but specifically in BC, uh, we have fairly liberal legislation. And this wife was able to challenge the will, and she was able to say, "Look, I, I think you intended to probably to provide for me, but but I don't know, and and clearly you had some sort of charitable giving intention as well. So then we're all left, and the courts left, sort of picking up the pieces." And trying to work backwards and figure out what this individual's actual intention was, um, and that's that's really tough. Whereas if he would have just gone and and not procrastinated and been a bit more organized, he could have saved a lot of a lot of headache. So. Well, and and yeah, you, I, I do want to have a, a deep dive into the DIY space because that's that's the era we're in. Whether it's robo advisor, robo attorney. I mean, there are so many kits out there or platforms that can take the professional guidance out of the mix. And then, of course, there's there's problems on the other side of that. I want to come back to your stories here, because when I hear about that couple, I immediately think, okay, so who let that go for 20 years? Because, well, well. Here's the probably th- him. Yeah. But, but okay. Fair enough. Yeah. It's his responsibility, but obviously if he gets to a point where he's got some wealth, he's True. probably got some advisors. Yeah. One thing that's so profoundly important, I think is because I keep reminding our clients don't pitch individual things that you do as standalone deliverables, position them as part of your process and have a mindset that you're doing your clients a disservice by not insisting that they get past their procrastination. Uh, Is that what you find that the financial advisors that are process driven don't let things like that fall through the cracks? No, you're you're absolutely right in that. And and if that I, I don't know uh, who that individual is working with, but if he was working with a group, which which he should have been, um, then then he it did fall through the cracks. And 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 this is the result ultimately is that now you have a wife that has absolutely nothing and has to go sue the estate in order to to inherit something. So so definitely. Um, one other thing that I, I forgot to mention earlier, Duncan, I mean, when I say that I do those checklists, that's very often done by a financial advisor as well. Um, so, so that's another part of the sort of synergies between, between the process between lawyers and financial advisors. So I work with a few financial advisors they know the information that I like, 
I know the information that they need. Um, and then sometimes they'll just go ahead and send me the checklist already filled out because they'll mm. do that part with the client because they have that longstanding relationship. Um, so again, if, if they're doing that work and they can, they can tell their clients, look, you, you need a will. It's part of your process. And they can already do sort of a lot of the work for us and, and send us that information. So, so we often, often work that way and, and that works well as well. So there's a redundancy where your process validates the advisor's process and well, and probably validates the client that they're in good hands. I I think so for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think clients, they, they like the fact um, that we all work together and clients love when, when their, their team of professionals are collaborating um, in their best interest. I mean, I certainly would f- always feel good, you know, if my lawyer is talking to my accountant and everybody's on the same page about the strategy moving forward. Well, because if there's a team approach and it's process driven, ultimately as a client, I get to fixate not just on what it is, but what it does. And what it does is it liberates me to go live my life. I don't have to worry about what's going on behind me because you guys got, uh, you've got this, you've got it taken care of. Yeah. And you can let the professionals do what they're good at. You know, you don't need to be Googling different tax strategies and how much probate fee savings are and doing the sort of DIY, you know, WebMD version of law and tax because that that's just dangerous. Yeah. Wow. That's the, that, 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 that's the ultimate DIY in the last couple of years with everything we've been through is the WebMD sort of mindset and fair enough. But I, I do want to ask you, um, because in your world, you'll see both successes and misfires and setbacks and problems. This last couple of years, what has it revealed in terms of pain points and uh, errors and judgment and things like that in your space? Definitely. No, we've, we've had some really interesting, interesting uh, experiences, for lack of a better word, in, in the last few years. I think when it all first, when the pandemic started, people were desperate to get their estate planning and their affairs in order, but quickly, because none of us knew sort of what, what was going to happen with COVID. Um, so our legislation was a little bit slow to catch up. And of course, we couldn't always meet people in office. Uh, I had one client that was in the hospital. Uh, she, they thought she had COVID. She had some other um, health, health issues as well. So, so she was quite concerned about getting her will done. So I remember sitting in the vehicle, witnessing she was in the hospital in the courtyard, signing her will on the hood of my car. And I was witnessing it with it with one of our students through the window. Um, because because you did need two witnesses in person at that time. Now we have sort of the legislation has evolved a little bit and we can do things over zoom and, and it's, it's yeah. Uh, it's a little bit more up to speed, but but just doing what you needed to do. And, and I think there was just this this mass sort of chaos and, and concern about, about being disorganized. Um, and of course, when people are doing it on the fly like that, they're, they're not done as effectively as they can be. That team approach doesn't always, it, it doesn't work. Um, you know, this is not done. This is not a process that is done overnight. Um, something's better than nothing though. I, I do believe that for sure. Um, yeah, so, so I, think, I think that goes back to your point of, of doing it early. And um, I'm seeing so many young clients right now to young, successful clients who are getting their, their estate plan in order. And what often drives them to do it is when they have a child, because then we have to deal with guardianship. 
Uh, but but whether you have a child, a business, whatever it may be, I, I can't stress enough the importance of just getting it done while you're healthy, while things are going well. Um, so you're not trying, you're not in this mad panic when all of a sudden you need to get it done. And then that's really what COVID brought out is, is just people desperately trying to get their affairs in order. So it manufactured a sense of urgency. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. And what, mm. you know, I, I think looking back, was it warranted or not? I mean, well, for some it was, I guess, but, uh, but, but probably not, but, but it, yeah, it, it's best that people do have something in place, but, but as I said, it can't be done overnight. We need, we need to, to have the team together and, and sometimes these things take a while. So the earlier people can get started, the better. I can remember way back when I was uh, quite young and an insurance salesman, I guess you could say, was talking about the difference between insurance and risk management. Okay. And he had this soundbite that's been, it's a cliche in the industry, but he said, it's better to have it not need it than to need it and not have it. Definitely. And uh, that struck a chord with me, but I'm, I'm wondering, are there any tools that you could provide a financial professional that they could uh, help nudge a client who's procrastinating and putting it off? For that, sure. That's as simple as a soundbite, just to nudge them. Yeah. Oh, I, you're putting me on the spot with a soundbite. I, I don't have any great quotes, but but I think I think just emphasizing the importance of it, and you know, none of us know what our what our tomorrow is going to be. I know that also sounds very cliched, uh, but unfortunately, I do see a lot of cases on the litigation side. Pretty much, almost all of my files where nobody expected to become disabled or to die. You know, the other thing is estate planning isn't just about disability planning and death. I mean, powers of attorney that we do, right. um, they're, they're enduring. So if you are off traveling the world and, or working overseas and you want to sell a house or there needs to be any sort of financial transaction that needs a signature, you know, that can also be done by your attorney. So That's so- solid in and of itself is that it's not just about the end. Exactly. There's several steps between now and then I will tell you because, you know, I, I immerse myself with our clients about being goals based planners and professionalize what that means using form, the acronym family, occupation, recreation, and money. Money is a means to those aspirations that that makes it very client facing about being goals based. But I always say when you have clarity around your goals and aspirations and confidence in a plan that adds probability that you're going to achieve those, it puts you in a state of Zen. And ironically, the definition or one of the definitions of a Zen life is that you could live to be a hundred or it could all be over tomorrow. Yeah. So be at peace with that, but plan accordingly. So uh, I, I think that's part of, uh, of, of the benefit of taking this seriously and panoramically. Definitely. I, I see so much relief in clients. And I think it's just one of those things where people know that they need to do it. Often they they don't get around to do it or whatever. There's always excuses for why it hasn't been done. Um, you know, say, same thing with getting your taxes done. I've been saying to my husband the last couple of days, we have to get our tax information done. It's it's just another thing to do. And I, I, I get it. Uh, but, but ultimately it, it needs to get done. And I do see a huge sense of relief for clients once it is done. 
So I, I have a client right now, actually, and he is terminally ill. But the, the struggle that I've been able to watch in, in him getting his estate plan done, and I'm just sort of there pushing them along gently because I, I know it has to get done and it will be a mess if it doesn't get done. Mm. Uh, but, but I can just see the, the, how difficult it's been for him to, to go through this process and engage in the process. Um, but I know because I see it all the time. As soon as he gets it done, it's going to be an incredible sense of relief for him. So sort of the faster we can move through the process, I think the better. Well, and you, you think about the, you have two addressable audiences. You've got the core client and you've got the family that is going to be impacted. And so what you're doing for the core client is galvanizing their legacy on their terms. And what you're doing for the family is enabling them to go through the grieving process without it being undermined because of all the complexity and, uh, and and things that have not, all the pieces that have not been put together. So you've really got two addressable audiences there. Yeah. And I mean, not only is it important to make sure money is, is accessible after death and, and people can kind of carry on and, and stay living in the house, but what about businesses? I mean, if you have, if, if you're a younger individual, or maybe you don't have to be young, but if, if you're running a business, how is that business going to carry on? How is the succession plan going to look for that business when you're no longer gone? Especially if you're actively involved in the business, who's going to run it? Can someone sign, can someone pay your bills tomorrow and sign checks? I mean, those are all things that we need to think about um, in, in terms of the succession plan. Have you ever considered launching your own podcast? Not sure how to start? Outsource it to the best in the business. We did. Our trusted partners at Proudmouth have a turnkey process to take care of everything. Add predictability to your marketing efforts. Visit them today at proudmouth.com. Do you aspire to consistently attract and keep great clients while driving the enterprise value of your business? Do you want to achieve professional contrast by supplementing your technical ability with a consistent client experience driven by best practices? The Blue Square Toolkit brings the proven Pareto Systems philosophy and process to life in a way that tethers your team so that you can competitor-proof your clients, gain their full empowerment, and attract quality referrals, all while restoring liberation and order in your life, and all in an intuitive, easy-to-use turnkey solution. Visit bluesquaretoolkit.com to get your 14-day free trial today. You know, it might be a good idea uh, sometime in the future to do um, a, a podcast and have you and me and Tom Deans who wrote every family's business and willing wisdom, because this is his wheelhouse, especially as it relates to self-made business owners and some of the things that undermine it going to the second and third generation. So I'll, I'll, I'll put that in the back of my mind for, for a placeholder later on. Cause I think that'd be great. That, that would be great. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, it, it's it's a huge problem and something that it's not it's it's something that we need to look at absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about fee worthiness. Sure. 
Okay, so I'm going to assume that this DIY phenomena that's occurred in every fee-for-service space, uh, obviously there's a convenience factor and there's a due diligence factor. So whether it's WebMD or a will kit or a robo-advisor, these DIY things, um, I I can do it at 11 o'clock at night. I can do it on my own pace and my own terms. That's fine. But I think, obviously, why people have gone down that path is a little bit of a disconnect around trust and and fee worthiness, where they figured I could cobble this thing together myself and save a lot of money by doing this with a will kit in your in your context. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts on that? Let's dig yeah. into that a little bit. Yeah, they're terrifying. They're absolutely terrifying. Don't use one. Advise all your clients not to do them. I've never seen one that has been done right. They 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 don't work. Um, and and so many more complex issues end up arising. I mean, I just had one, um, and the law is very complicated, so I'm not going to get into the law on this. But but in terms of designated beneficiaries on registered investments like RSPs and TFSAs. You have to be very careful about what you say about those in a will because you can inadvertently remove the designation or revoke the designation, which is which is sort of defeating the whole estate planning purpose of having a designation on an on an investment. And I so I had one just recently where that caused a huge problem, uh, a huge a, a tax problem ultimately, um, and a, a probate fee. Well, a probate fee problem. Uh, so in terms of, I guess, the fee worthiness, uh, I'll sort of circle back to that. You know, some, some of these will kits, I have no idea how much they cost. I'm assuming they're relatively inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but the amount of money that they cost in litigation because they get messed up is it, it's, it's limitless. It's absolutely limitless. I mean, and, and the, the, the pain and the time and the suffering you were causing your family after you pass. It is not worth it. And I am not saying that to sort of sell my product. I, I just absolutely feel so strongly um, that they are not a good idea, even for, for something simple. If it's just give everything to my spouse and then give everything to my two kids, you know, it's not simple. I'll give you another example of something I, I recently did. And, and this was not a will kit, but it was a very, very poorly done will. Um, and an individual also young, quite well off, uh, passed away and didn't have a trust for his child. So when there's no trust set up for your minor child, everything gets held in BC, at least by the public guardian and trustee. And it would be similar province to province. And the child doesn't have access to any of that money until they're 19. Now the public guardian and trustee charges an annual fee to manage that money and, and they do a good job and they have to step in and, and, and yes, all of that is true. But do you really want your 19 year old child getting $5 million, a, a grieving 19 year old child? It's, it's probably not in that child's best interest. And, and I think often that money is going to get blown and not properly invested um, and it would completely defeat its in, intentions. So, you know, that might be $5 million. <laughs> $5 million at 19 when you, you, you just haven't ultimately spent the time, uh, you know, or the money getting a, an appropriate estate plan done. And when I say estate plan, I'm looking at it broadly, estate plan, tax plan, financial plan, all of those, a wealth plan. So, so all encompassing, but yeah, there's, it's scary. And I, I think people think they're trying to do the right thing, but more often than not, unfortunately, they, they just don't work. 
Okay. So you, you bring up a really interesting point because I think when people embrace the DIY, they think they're saving time, they think they're saving money, and they probably give themselves a false sense of security that they've checked that box. So now they're officially complacent. But that brings us back to the difference between having a plan and then ongoing planning. Yeah. Like having a plan gives me clarity and confidence for the future. But planning that's process-driven takes into consideration that things evolve. My, yeah. n- my needs change. They become more complex. So, so part of your process is ongoing planning, correct? Definitely. So I recommend to my clients, let's review, let's review your estate plan every five years at minimum or whenever there's a ma- major life change. So if you move, if there's a significant shift in, in assets or wealth, uh, if you have a child, any of those things I think should trigger a review. But even if there isn't any major life events, I, I really, the legislation still changing. So people will bring a will from, I had a client a few weeks ago that brought in a will from, I think like 1980. And he didn't think it needed to be updated. This was someone with a huge amount of wealth. And the legislation has has completely changed since 1980. So sure, it, it might sort of work, uh, but it's certainly not going to have all the clauses in there that we need to effectively administer his estate. Um, so, so those are things that it absolutely has to be has to continue to be updated, and 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 hopefully financial advisors can kind of push clients a little bit because I think often the financial advisors are talking to their clients perhaps more than we are in an estate planning context. So, you know, I I like to work together and and sort of all push each other to make sure that that wealth plan is ultimately continues to to be updated and pro- progress as as life changes. Okay, so. You bring up another good point, the, the concept of planning, but also proactively getting out in front of evolving needs and, and life events, tax changes, and so on. This dynamic of first-generation earned money, then moving into second-generation found money, right? The suddenly affluent and you know the 19-year-old $5 million, are they prepared philosophically to, to handle that. And whether it's 19, 24, it doesn't really matter. Uh, I'm talking to a lot of financial professionals about value add, proactive, getting out in front of it, digging the well before you're thirsty. One example is there's two great books. One's called Entitle Mania, and the other one is called Beer Money. Both very good books on the consequences of procrastination, and also where entitlement is born in a privileged family and and what to do about it. But I've I've told many financial professionals, you should read those books and then create your own executive summary, a two or three page synopsis of those books, pay tribute to the author and where you source the content, but just say to your clients, uh, I, I really found these books interesting and I, I wanted to share this with you. And if you wanted to have a conversation with me about making sure this is all buttoned down, we'd be more than happy to do that. Uh, do you see yeah. merit in that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think by educating the clients, is, it's hugely important. And there's, there's things that we can do from a legal perspective as well to, to make that transition smoother. Um, because like you said, often often where, where the wealth is passing from first generation to second generation, which we're seeing a huge transfer mm. of wealth right now with the baby boomers, uh, 
we, we have to be really careful because we, we don't want all of a sudden this huge windfall uh, and people that, that really have no idea how to invest the money or how to manage the money. It's kind of like winning the lottery. I mean, most of those people don't have any of it left uh, shortly, shortly after right, the right. winning. So we can do things in the estate planning and, and work with the advisors. And, and, and it's, there's it's major tax issues with all of this too, but creating trusts. So we can create sort of ongoing family trusts. Um, so, so that people, so that ultimately we can put a really sophisticated person in the driver's seat to distribute the money in a way that they think is appropriate and, uh, and, and in that person's best interest. So, so certainly we can, we can help to manage that, but unfortunately, and that's up to, to up to the client and the sort of individual circumstances, whether, whether that makes sense or not, but sometimes it definitely does. I'm curious, um, with the advent of technology like this, the online platforms and giving people the gift of time to have a meeting like this without getting in the car and things like that, uh, more and more financial professionals are having family meetings, talking about wealth and direction, uh, consequences, you know, where, where it's all going, the whole future pacing to get everybody bought in. Has that come into your world at all? Definitely. I mean, we pre-COVID, I don't think we almost, well, I didn't use Zoom at all pre-COVID. So I think there's been a huge shift in that uh, because of COVID and as a result of COVID. And if there's one good thing for our profession that's come out of COVID, it's it's this. It's being able to meet online. Uh, people know how to use Zoom now too. So so that's really helpful. Even with my older clients, they know how to how to have kind of engage in these these uh, online platforms. Um you know, we can look at different documents, DocuSign, it doesn't really work for wills, but, but having that technology available to us and having the updated legislation where there's sometimes remote signing, I think that's, that, that has really helped evolve, evolve the process and make it easier. So one client can join from, or, you know, a child can join the meeting from wherever, Ontario, and we can be having, and, I, and the client can be in Vernon and I can be here and, and we can all sort of meet and discuss the process. So coming back to your, what makes you different? So you have your process. I'm, I'm assuming you're constantly refining and optimizing that. And then your expertise and your knowledge, um, you take that very seriously. You're, you're emerging as the subject matter expert, a thought leader in this space. Um, are you open to potentially doing a joint client-facing event? I mean, locally, it'd be easy, but... Uh, beyond British Columbia through Canada, maybe even beyond uh, collaborating with a financial professional to sort of team up and create a, a multiplier for the things that a, uh, an affluent client needs to consider when it comes to estate planning? Absolutely. For sure. No, I mean, I'm, I'm passionate about it. People laugh because around the dinner table, I think often I start talking about estate planning <laughs> And my family doesn't want to hear it. They don't want to hear about estate planning. So I am more than happy to chat about it where there's an audience. Um, but yeah, I, I really believe it's important. And and like I said, I, I, I see it from both sides. So I I, I see the risk um, and the and the importance of getting it done. So I will always uh, I will always if there's an audience, I'll, I'll I will talk all day long about it. So are you saying you're an estate planning nerd? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I know. Like I'll be That's the awesome. per- I'll be the person on the plane, like reading reading the, the stat <laughs> magazine about all the most recent tax changes, and 
yeah, how to transfer a family cottage without <laughs> with the sort of most favorable tax consequences. And yeah, yeah, that's me. But it's it's good. I like it. Well, to your point, your timing is impeccable because I, I think I read not too long ago that it's literally between the United States and Canada in the trillions of dollars that will be changing hands over the course of the next 10 years. So you want to make sure that tax efficiency emotionally uh, addressed, but also just making sure that every box is checked and it's done as efficiently as possible. So yeah, that's it's, terrific. It's, it's a it's a busy time and a huge transfer of wealth absolutely right now. So I, I think we also just need to be careful to continue to educate ourselves um, as as lawyers and as professionals um, and and send our clients or when we are engaging that team and in that process, making sure we're aligning ourselves with other other good people. Because not not everybody's created equally. So we need to need to make sure we're working with an A team. Well, and you're right. I mean, the perception of the client is I feel like I'm in great hands if there's a team approach. There's a synergy that comes out of that. Yeah. So yeah, great. Okay. So you're on LinkedIn? I am. Yeah, absolutely. So if somebody wants to find you and have a chat with you on LinkedIn, just Julia Norman? Yeah, Julia Norman. Absolutely. Happy, happy, more than happy to do that. And your law firm here in town is Pusher Mitchell. Pusher Mitchell LLP. Yes, that's when we are okay. in downtown Kelowna. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're a star. I really appreciate this. Great conversation. And I will give some thought to maybe having a collaboration with Tom Deans to get it a little bit more into the weeds okay. on this. And, yeah. and just for everybody listening in, Tom Deans, his books, Every Family's Business and Willing Wisdom. These are great wedges to, to start the conversation with your clients about these topics that often get put off that are essential element of planning. And then from an execution perspective, uh, Julia would be a great uh, resource to engage into your process. So Julia, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you being here and we'll definitely have you back. Thanks, Duncan. That was great. Take care. Right on. Thank you for listening to Always On with Duncan McPherson, where our objective is to enable professionals to always be working on their business and on themselves. Want to learn more about Duncan and his team? Visit ParetoSystems.com. Don't forget to click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the hosts and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Pareto Systems. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast is powered by Proudmouth, the influence accelerators. If you're like me and want to spend more time educating people and less time selling, Proudmouth helps turn Main Street experts like you into trusted mainstream authorities. They will help amplify your influence over a growing audience of magnetically attracted fans. Visit proudmouth.com to learn more.